to be reminded, aren't we, uh, <coughs> as in the song, just the, the name of Jesus, uh, the, the person of Jesus, and of course we are here to, um, to celebrate and in particular remember uh, the birth of Christ. <coughs> well, this morning, no, there you go, you jump to a conclusion. This morning, I had to go to the supermarket. <laughs> Caught you all out, right? Caught you all out red-handed. This morning, I had to go to the supermarket you know, to, to pick up something, extra packet of ginger nuts, and I thought, right, I'm going to get there early before the crowds. I got there early, but not before the crowds. It seemed like you know, half, of, half of the Waikato decided to descend on, on our supermarket, but I was one step ahead. Because I only needed ginger nuts, I could easily get in, get, get what I needed, and get back to the checkout before everyone else. The wave was still going through the supermarket while I was got my stuff in out before they hit the, hit the tellers. But it was a grim experience. You know, it, there was, and I feel probably what was going on, maybe some people there, is what was being thought about with the song that we're about to hear. Because, you know, there was, get out of my way, Mister, I'm going for those carrots, you know. Uh, watch out, there's, a, you know, an event on aisle eight or whatever. It was sort of, everyone was pretty grim. They were, they were after their stuff that they needed uh, and uh, th they were lacking the, the uh, what we might call the, the spirit of Christmas uh, because they were so focused on that extra bag of chips or whatever it is they're after. And so I, I, was, I was sort of that experience as I was driving home uh, it particularly relates uh, to what we're about to, to hear. So we, again, have some people arrive from somewhere uh, and they're going to uh, explain through song. Uh, I think where some people are perhaps at uh, at Christmas time. So, thank you. There are a million tales in the city. Long ones, short ones, the kind that wag all the time. But enough about the dog show. I'm Sergeant Joe Holliday, Christmas Police. Yes? Sergeant Holliday, Christmas Police. Oh, thank goodness you're here. It's Christmas Eve, and it's missing. What's missing, ma'am? Why, my Christmas joy. Your Christmas joy? My Christmas joy. I can't find it anywhere. So I figure someone must have stolen it. How's that, ma'am? Well, look around. I have the biggest tree, the most expensive presents, beautiful decorations. I even throw the best parties. Go on. And none of it's joyful. I mean, if Christmas joy is not in all my things, then where is it? Real joy isn't in the trappings of Christmas. It's in the person Christmas is all about. Why settle for things when you can have Jesus? You mean my Christmas joy's been here all along? That's right, ma'am. You just needed to look in the right place. Christmas joy. That was lacking this morning in the <coughs> in aisle 19, I know that. <coughs> Many people, of course, uh, have different ideas what Christmas is all about. And I'm sure if you took a survey and, and just, you know, perhaps I should have done that this morning, uh, asked a few people in the supermarket, just what's Christmas about? Because obviously what, what it is they were looking for, uh, they didn't appear to be uh, overflowing with joy in general. 
And so if you ask people there out on the street, <clears throat> what is Christmas all about? What are you going to hear? You'll probably hear something like this. Well, it's holidays. Uh, or it means, you know, getting together with others, friends and families, outlaws and in-laws. It means gift giving. It means eating too much. How many people, you know, say that's it? I'm never eating again in my life. Later on in the evening, you hear these noises rattling around in the kitchen and there you are, you know, what's checking out the fridge or whatever. And those are all valid points, aren't they? And indeed, they're part of the Christmas season, for sure. But if that's as far as it goes, then the celebrations have really missed the point. Some folks' experience of Christmas really could be summed up by that skip. Their joy is missing. So if your joy is missing, are you going to call up the Christmas police? Christmas is indeed a, a varied mix of seemingly unrelated events and practices, isn't it? It's sort of this strange thing uh, that happens. <clears throat> now for us here in the, in the Southern Hemisphere, Christmas, amongst other things, represents holiday time. You know, a period of time off work uh, for maybe days, weeks, months, years, <laughs> whatever. Uh, but it's time off, isn't it? Not quite the same in the Northern Hemisphere, of course, where, where Christmas is, is happens in the middle of winter, so you, you've got the day off, but it's not sort of the holiday season. So, so we, we get that, you know, we're, we're one up on the Northern Hemisphere uh, folks, aren't we, with that one? At least we've got holiday. It does represent holidays, but for some people that's all it really does represent. Christmas cards with snow and stuff on them, that didn't make sense as it, to a young fellow growing up when I was sort of sweltering in the heat on Christmas Day and, and trying to work my way through a, a, a Christmas pudding. Christmas trees, decorations, gift giving, how does all that relate to the biblical account? Well, the simple answer is it doesn't. Don't be confused, you know, it was the Roman Emperor Constantine who overlaid the celebration of the birth of Christ onto an already existing pagan traditions and practices that was going on that it had all those things happening and, and created this strange mix. So we shouldn't be confused about trying to make it all fit. Rather, enjoy the trappings of Christmas. Enjoy your Christmas pudding. Enjoy all the stuff that we do for sure, but as followers of Christ, we take this time to remember and celebrate and give thanks for the birth of Jesus. That's at the heart of it. The Christmas story is one of great excitement, isn't it? It's an account that, that I feel it never gets old, even though it's, it, it happened 2,000 years ago. But we might ask the question, where does the, where does the Christmas story begin? If we go all the way back to Genesis 3.15, of course, that's the first mention <clears throat> of one who would come. It's the first mention of, of, of one identified that we'd identify as the Messiah. We read it, it's, 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 it's worded in the way, the one who would bruise the head of Satan, are the words that are used. It's the one who would thwart the plan of the enemy, the enemy of man, who has been on separating mankind from God for eternity. And so surely that must be the beginning of the Christmas story as, as we understand it, speaking about the birth of Christ, the beginning of that story some 4,000 or so years before it even happened. 
in what's recognised as the oldest book in the Bible, Job. Uh, Job, of course, is well known, isn't he, for all the drama that happened to him, all the things that, were, that, that went wrong, and, and it's you know, a fascinating account of Job. But Job could see the bigger picture, and he realised that man had this big problem. It was a spiritual problem. And in chapter 9, of, in verse 33 of Job, the mention is, he says, there is no mediator. A mediator, someone who, who, who goes in between. There is no mediator between God on one side and man on the other. He, he could see the problem. And he could see that this problem needed fixing. And he also knew that somehow God would fix it. He didn't know how, but, but he was willing to, to, to have faith in God that God would deal with it. Because as we get further on in the book of Job in chapter 19, verse 25, we read this, For I know, this is what Job said, For I know that my Redeemer lives. A Redeemer is a saviour. He knew that he needed saving from something. But I know that my Redeemer lives, and he shall stand at last on the earth. And after my skin is destroyed, this I know, that in my flesh I shall see God. And so Job understood the problem and he knew God had the answer and God would deal with it in some way. Because we look back now and we know how God dealt with it. But for Job, he was looking ahead and, and, and resting in God's provision. Somehow God would deal with this and, and the separation would be, would be fixed. Uh, sinful man could have fellowship once again with the holy God. And so God's means of dealing with that gap between man and God caused by sin is through the person, Jesus Christ. And so the Christmas story is not just a nice theme to celebrate and, and an excuse for a holiday and, and to you know, hang tinsel around and, and do Christmas stuff and eat, eat Christmas pies and whatever. The Christmas story is of eternal weight and consequence. Isaiah contains many prophecies, as you know, about a coming saviour. Uh, chapter 59, we read how God is he's speaking and he could see that there was no mediator also. He speaks about that, God's message spoken through Isaiah. Therefore, it says, his, his own arm brought salvation. The, the reference there that, that God will deal with it himself. God himself provided the means of salvation. Now, of course, the whole idea of salvation means nothing to the person who doesn't know he needs to be saved. Some of you might remember the explosion on Mount St. Helens back in, 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 in the 80s. That was in, I think, Washington State in America. Now, there was, it, was, it, it didn't happen unexpectedly. It was known that this mountain was going to explode. And, and people were going around, you know, the, the authorities telling people, hey, you need to move. The thing's going to blow. And, and the vast majority of people moved away. They were living up in the mountains. They moved away into, into safe territory. But the story is of one fellow who, who wouldn't move. He wouldn't leave his cabin there in, 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 in the mountains. A mountain man, I guess. He wasn't going to leave, leave there. Uh, he said, no, you know, I've been here all my life, everything's fine, I'm, I'm not going to, there's no need for me to live, to, to, well, to live, but for to leave. There's no need for me to live, to leave, and, and for sure, <laughs> we'll, we'll get there in the end. So he stayed there. He didn't see any need to do anything about it, and of course, the thing did blow up and he perished. 
If we go back to Genesis, we see how the need for salvation occurred. And it was through disobedience. Adam and Eve, if, if, you know, if you eat of the fruit, well, it was Eve. Every now and then we get a chance to blame the, the woman, you know, so we, we've got to hold on to that when we get the chance, don't we? So. <laughs> but of course, uh, what happened? You know, Adam was the one who was responsible. But hey, if you eat of the fruit, you will surely die. And of course, it was speaking about spiritual death. And so thanks to our grandparents many times removed, we're born in a state that needs saving. Perhaps that man in the cabin on Mount St. Helens, I wonder if he was born there. I wonder if he was born in that place that he would need saving from. He certainly lived in a place that he would need saving from. But he just wouldn't accept that. You know, you and I are in the same boat, aren't we? We're in, in a spiritual sense. Isaiah 53 speaks about the fact that we, our guilty state, which we can't deal with alone, was paid for by Jesus. By Jesus' sacrifice on our behalf. And so indeed, we need saving. The Christmas story becomes deeper and deeper the more you, 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 you delve into it. Daniel prophesies about the Messiah the Messiah that would come, who, who would be cut off. He speaks that the one would come, but he would be cut off, but not for himself. And indeed, that's exactly what happened. The one that came was cut off. He died for mankind. The sacrifice of his life, his shed blood, was the payment that was needed to ensure the freedom for all who would believe. Micah, he even prophesied where Jesus would be born the town of Bethlehem. You know, one of the other things that's associated with Christmas is travel, isn't it? Moving about. And perhaps some people would, would say that. Well, Christmas to me is sitting in the car, hot car for hours, going visiting Aunt Polly, whatever it is, you know. And, and indeed, I've experienced plenty of that. And I guess our kids probably remember plenty of hours spent in the car around Christmas visiting other, other members of the family. The stories are, if you're flying anywhere this Christmas, don't bother because you probably won't get there. You know, the place is packed, the airports are packed, uh, everything is, is at maximum. And when you do get to where you're going to go, there's probably no one to sort of um, greet you because there's no staff, you know. So it's all a bit of gloom, doom and gloom out there, but the point is it, it, everything's at groaning level. It's so, it's so busy. Uh, people are moving around and travelling. And so I find it very interesting that the Christmas story the account of the birth of Christ also involves travel. Joseph and Mary, at a most inconvenient time, as Mary was heavily pregnant, had to travel. There are many prophecies in Scripture about Jesus, hundreds, even the place where his birth was foretold. How might God accomplish all of that? How might... God bring all these events together. A supernatural God created heaven and earth, all living things. Nothing is too hard for him. Uh, the Messiah, a saviour, is to be born in Bethlehem. Surely God would use just a, a spectacular miracle. You know, kapow, kabam, and, and that's it. But as we've read in these verses this morning, this afternoon, <laughs> got me that time. 
It came to pass in those days that a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. Now, you think of the weight and importance of Jesus' birth in Bethlehem. It had to happen that way to fulfill prophecy, yet God chose to use a command of the, by the Roman emperor to achieve it. You'd think, well, wouldn't God use something more sort of spectacular? How could something that seemed so normal and so human be used to fulfill the plan of the God of creation? A supernatural event achieved in such a natural way. And that's so often how God works, isn't it? Sometimes we can blow it off as, as a coincidence or an inconvenience. I wonder what Joseph and Mary were thinking. So to all you mothers here, how would you have been, would you have been up for a road trip at nine months pregnant? Not only was the trip uncomfortable, but upon arrival there was nowhere to stay. I have so many memories, I'm sure my family do as well, of some crazy journey, arriving at night, no accommodation sorted, trying to find somewhere to sleep. Of course, this is pre-internet days, pre-mobile phone days. You know, look what you generation are missing out on now. You know, you've got it all organised before you even leave home. Uh, so you get to some strange place in back at Timbuktu and everything's dark and where are we going to stay? And Well, I don't know, maybe we'll end up sleeping in the car tonight. But uh, eventually it kind of worked out and we obviously survived. But, you know, how would that be if your wife was also nine months pregnant? Or would Mary say, hey, the baby I'm carrying is very important. I need royal treatment. She's sort of knocking on the doors of the five-star hotels there in Bethlehem. The one prophesied to come thousands of years before, the one who came with the mission of saving man from their sins, God in the flesh could not have come into this world in a more humble way. This means of Jesus' birth also, I believe, it, it, it's, it's, sort of, it's a picture, isn't it, of his nature and his character. It should also be representative of, of the nature of all those who truly are his followers, and that is humility. Humility is the opposite of pride, and it's pride that's got us into this whole mess in the beginning. Isn't it interesting to note there was no room for them in the inn? Sorry, no room. You know, essentially they're saying, no room, God. No room to the Son of God. There's no room here. You imagine all the activity going on in Bethlehem at the time, all the tourists and people who are coming into town. Obviously the place is packed because there's no room anywhere. All this is going on. You can, you know, all the restaurants are full and the streets and everyone's having a great time and, and, and it's all fantastic. And, and here's Mary, nine months pregnant, nowhere to sleep, nowhere to lay her head down. There's no room. I'm reminded of the verse <clears throat> that Jesus spoke. It's recorded in Revelation 3.20. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and dine with him and he with me. There are many people who have no room in their life for the one who gives eternal life. Sorry, there's no room here. You know, try that guy down the street. Drop down to verse 8. Look at this. Now they were in the same country, shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flocks by night. 
And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were greatly afraid. Well, I think that's the understatement of the century, isn't it? <laughs> Can you imagine that? I just I really love the, the picture that's painted there. Here are these guys out there taking care of their, their, their sheep. They, they stayed out on the fields with them. And suddenly, these angels appear. An angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And, and it caused tremendous fear. What on earth is going on here? Never seen anything like this before. And the angel said to them, do not be afraid. Obviously, <laughs> because they were afraid. Hey, don't be afraid, for behold, notice, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be for some people. No, which will be for all people. Here's the point. This message is for all people. There is born to you this day in the city of David a saviour who is Christ the Lord. Not just an ordinary person, someone who's defined as a saviour. A saviour is for someone who needs saving. And so it's good news. It brings great joy. It's for all people because here now is a saviour. That fellow back there in Mount St. Helens, <clears throat> he should have grabbed hold of that guy and, and think, thank goodness you're here. Can you lead me to safety? You know, and, and that's the message of the good news of Christ. There is safety, there is security, there's eternal hope. It is good news. For those who recognize it and receive it, it does indeed bring great joy. But that message is for all people. And this will be the sign to, sign to you, verse 12. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. I find this fascinating. Why is that? Because the first message of Jesus' birth is given to shepherds. And where are they going to find him? In a manger. It's a place where kind of shepherds would be well familiar with. To a shepherd, you'd think, well, that kind of makes sense, doesn't it? You know, that, that's, uh, that's familiar territory for me. They probably knew all the places around where animals were kept. It fascinates me because it's a picture of just how often God works in a similar way. God meets you where you're at. Jesus speaks your language. He will connect with you in the most effective way to deliver his message or ministry to you. The disciples were met on the water, remember. In a storm, Jesus met them where they were. You don't need to get into some kind of religious position or state of mind to meet Jesus. If you call to him, he will hear and he will answer. The shepherds would have felt very uncomfortable if they got the message, well, go and find Jesus. He's in the Hilton, in the executive suite. The first thing is, well, hang on, I haven't got my going to town clothes on. You know, not, they wouldn't even let me in through the foyer. It's another picture, I believe, how God removes all barriers that might prevent a person coming to him. Anyone could go into that, into that manger. Anyone could find their way into that. There would be no restriction on there. And anyone can find their way to Christ. Man is an expert, though, in putting up barriers. Man is great at designing a set of hoops you have to jump through and, and, and often goes by the name of religion in order to find Jesus somehow. 
you've got to do this and that before you know you can kind of be good enough the message from the mouth of God is always the same come just as you are come to the one who can heal the deadly wound of sin come and be made whole to be restored yes God works from the inside out And so with this whole message, we, we read in verse 13, suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest, peace on earth, goodwill toward men. You know, the heavens were fair busting to sing out. For thousands of years, this event was anticipated. At the right time, it came about, and that right time was now, and the heavens, man, there's no stopping them. They just wanted to, you know, I think the, the sort of, they couldn't hold back. They had to rejoice. Peace and goodwill, that's something lacking in the world, isn't it? It's lacking in the world. It's lacking in the world, certainly outside of Christ. The nature and character of God as it finds its way into the person who has been born again will tend toward many things. Peace and goodwill to others are some of those things. Jesus' birth represents the mission that he was on to deal with the issue of sin and to bring about the means of eternal life and the heavens, they just couldn't contain themselves any longer. But yeah. I trust that this Christmas, the source of true peace and goodwill will be ever more refreshed in your own hearts so that you too can join <clears throat> in the singing of that heavenly song. Now when we get to verse 15, we carried on from where we finished. So it was when the angels had gone away from them into heaven that the shepherds said to one another, let us now go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has come to pass, <clears throat> which the Lord has made known to us. Now that's got to be the edited version for sure. You know, I can put myself, well put yourself in that situation, there you are looking after some sheep and you get this whole thing happen. And now the angels have gone and you're sitting there looking at each other, what are you going to say? It'll be something like, man, far out. That was wild, wasn't it? I can't... Did that actually happen? And they'd be talking about it, listen, and, and at some point they might no doubt said, hey, we better go and check this out. Are we dreaming? That was unreal. And we get to verse, verse 16, and they came with haste. That's a very um, <clears throat> PC way of saying, man, they were in a hurry. They just took off. They came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. And when they had seen him, they made widely known the saying which was told them concerning this child. And all those who heard it marveled at those things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. Then the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen as it was told them. Who were the first evangelists? Some shepherds in the middle of the night out there looking after their sheep. What seminary did they go to? What were their qualifications? Well, they'd met Jesus. You see, wherever you are in life, that's your mission field. And notice they were just simply relaying what they had seen, what they'd heard, what they had experienced. You can't tell someone about something that you haven't experienced. 
I often use the phrase, I love the phrase, the, the idea of, 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 you know, just speaking about the good news of, of, of Jesus, and it's often been put, in, put like this. It's likened to one beggar telling another beggar where to find bread. That's it, isn't it? Here are these shepherds, you know, hidden back, you know, they're just telling people, man, you wouldn't believe it. And, and they just told them what they had experienced. The message is the good news of Jesus the good news of a saviour, one who stands in the gap between holy God and sinful man can be shared. And the message is for all people anywhere. It's for all people, it's not an exclusive group. Biblical Christianity is not a culture to be forced on people of different backgrounds, but a message of eternal life to be received by anyone, available to anyone who knows their need of salvation, who will repent and confess. And so we leave the shepherds there glorifying and praising God. It's a well-worn phrase, isn't it? Jesus is the reason for the season. He's not the reason for Christmas trees and stuff. Oh, we can enjoy all that for sure. But Jesus is the reason for the hope that is in every born-again believer. And whatever life looks like, we know that there was someone greater who has paid the price for our eternal freedom from the consequence of sin. And so this is indeed a day to rejoice, isn't it? It's a day to thank God for the things we have heard, things we have experienced, the good news. And if there's anyone here who is in any doubt about that or, or cannot today say, yes, I, I know the good news, yes, I have received that, yes, I am born again. If there's anyone here who cannot say that, then, then I pray that today will be the day that God would remove any doubt from you that you would receive the gift of eternal life. May Christmas 2022 may be deeply ingrained into our hearts and into our souls in a, in a fresh and new way this year. And may we truly experience as a result of a real relationship with God true joy, peace and goodwill. Let us pray. Father, we do thank you once again for the good news, the message of hope, the message of eternal life, and the one who, who brought that, the one who was born to die, God became man. We remember and we thank you. We celebrate that at this time, the birth of Jesus Christ. So Lord, as we go through the motions of Christmas and, and, and enjoy all the, the trappings of Christmas, Father, I pray that our, our hearts truly would be moved by the one who gave his life for us, the one who came into this world, whose life and death and resurrection is what the message of the gospel is all about. So, Father, we just thank you. We rejoice. We thank you for the gift of Jesus Christ given that we might have life. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. We're just going to conclude in, in worship, so um, <clears throat> let's all stand, shall we, and give thanks to God as we just uh, celebrate this time, Christmas 2022. Uh, once a year, once again, we get to celebrate this time. Let's all stand. <clears throat>